Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Best Damn Sports Show in Franklin County for Wednesday, April 14th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. I am the Nighthawk, along with our studio director, Mr. Alan Ritchie Cunningham, and Duke is still on vacation in South Carolina. And uh, of course, we've got our old standby here, longtime member of the uh, show, Mr. Super Dave Handy. <laughs> and David, I'm going to open the show right now and say this to you. I am simply not worthy of being in the same room with you. Oh, that's not... No, David. And I'm going to explain this. We've known each other for many, many, many oh, years. Geez, 40 you're, years, You're probably. a pretty smart guy. I'm not I value smart. your opinion. So we're talking about the Masters last week, and blah, 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 Dustin Johnson, blah, blah, blah. Then you said, I don't know if you remember this, he goes, hey, Hawk, I'll tell you a guy to watch out for, Hideki Matsusumi. And I'm not going to say, like, Dave, you're an idiot, okay, he's a nice golfer and all that, eh, maybe a top 15 for the guy. So Saturday, I'm seeing him on the leaderboard, top 10, and I'm thinking, oh, jeez. Super Day said, watch out for Matsusumi. And I said, well, he's having a fine round, and I'll give David his kudos when I see him Wednesday night. So by the end of the round Saturday, he's in the lead, and David is an I told you so kind of guy. So I will tell you this. In my humble opinion, that was about the most undramatic Masters I've ever watched in my lifetime. There really wasn't much drama in it. But, David, I, I'm not worthy. Well, let me... Uh, you, you did tell me that, right, last Well, week? I also have to temper it because my golf pool, I also picked Dustin Johnson. Which everybody's in, Uncle. And, and he, didn't, uh, he didn't even make the cut. Right. Well, and that was the big story. Let me interrupt you. The big story of that tournament was all the big guns that didn't make it to the weekend. Oh, they. Uh, that was great, though, wasn't it? Isn't the Masters the highlight of the golf season? It's no, I don't. How, like, David, I'm sorry, I don't like that golf course. Oh, it, it, I love the grass. I it, love the whole thing. If I had ten golf courses to play on, David, that would be number eleven. I just. To me, the greens are like miniature golf, and um, oh, I would, um, I love that. What's course. my favorite golf course? You know, Pebble David. Beach. Not Pebble Beach. You're going to take me there someday. Me and Duke. Um, First tournament of the year. Oh, uh, oh, that's nice, Kapalua. Kapalua. But that's Kapalua. That, I want to be on the ocean. Okay. Kapalua is a. Technically, it's a resort course. Yeah. Even though it's really a hard course, but if you notice, some of the years the guys were uh, a couple of years ago. Didn't Jordan Spieth end up winning that thing? He was almost thirty under par. Ooh, well, it's certainly more than two years ago because Spieth just won his first tourney in four years. Yeah. So, so but it uh, the pros. Well, what what enamors you to that golf course, David? The aside aside from being the number one. Tournament. Well, the uh, I love it when azaleas are there and the grass is so green and it, there's just something about it. And and what makes the Masters so enjoyable is you've got hard holes mixed in with easy holes. Take um, the uh, the first hole is a tough hole. 
four and five are really hard. Uh, seven is seven is a really tough hole. I think it's 460 yard par four uphill. And on all those, and what they showed this weekend is that if they want to, they can bring the scoring way down just by moving the pins and playing with the greens a little bit. And then, of course, you get... Hey, oh. Richie, I can hear you. I think your mic may be on in the studio. Okay. So then you go past Amen Corner. 10's a tough hole. 11 is a bear. Then 12, the, the, toughest, par, the toughest short par 3 in the world. Then... 13 birdie hole, 14 birdie hole, 15 eagle hole, and then 16 is fantastic. And then 17 and 18, you're just hanging on. We have a call. Good evening. You are the first caller tonight. Get up to the tee box, take a couple practice swings, and keep it on the fairway. You are the number one guy tonight. Go ahead. Well, I'll, hope, I'll hopefully be watching a lot of people doing that tomorrow. Hey, folks, just checking in. Hi, Can Duke. You hear me? Yeah, oh, you're very well. I'm getting an echo when I talk to you. How are you guys? How are you? It sounds like I'm missing the best April weather Vermont's ever had. I would say that's a safe statement. Uh, I think it's all over, but it's, the last 10 days have been fantastic. And David, Duke, David, literally, we, we pulled in together within seconds of each other, and he literally just got done playing 18 holes. And he shot he shot thirty seven on the back nine. Jeez, thirty seven. Talk yeah. about mid season form. And Duke, the golf course yeah. is in impeccable shape. It's speckled. Uh, um, I, you know me, I hate heat. And the two times that played, it just opened up on Sunday. It's been yeah. seven, seventy degrees both evenings. It's perfect. Wow. Perfect, or two, or even two warm for you night off. Um. Well, I will say I did complain. Sunday night, like, oh, boy, it's a little warm. I, I kind of like it when snot's running down my nose, kind of like Aqualung. But, uh, yeah. no, it was very enjoyable, and it's very, very verdant out there. Uh, just fabulous. Well, By the way, how hey, many people you. use the word verdant? I was going to say, that's a, a new one for you. Yeah, that's a good word. Hawk, thanks for your message, and thanks to you and Bobby for your usual great time. Uh, but the lake, who's been... Who's been the biggest voice about concern about Lake Champlain level? Well, you about me for months. You go down there virtually every night, and as I well, pretty much said on yeah. the message to you, I really haven't been down the lake since last fall. So yeah. uh, uh, he called and asked me to pull your kayaks out of my barn and yeah. his boogie board. So before I started work, um, I went out there, pulled it out threw it on top of the driveway, and I didn't hear him come. And he, he took it off, uh, took the stuff, and wow. went down to the lake. So uh, he sent a picture of the lake and yeah. uh, to Donna because, you know, I don't do any of that stuff. And yeah. she showed me a picture, and Bobby had written, the lake is at mid-July level. Yep. And just That's to see right. all that yeah. beach uh, yeah. was unbelievable, and if I ever yeah. get a chance to get down there, uh, and I know, uh, boy, the snow gauge at Mount Mansfield. Is, is there still some snow up there? I think they have six, 16 inches where it's normally like at 60 inches this time of the year. Well, we're going to get some snow tomorrow night, though. Are you really? I did hear a reference to maybe some 
Vermont Mountain. So, right. Reality coming back a bit. The um, um, we're it's supposed to be a pretty good rain, so we can use it. Really, we're really dry. So, oh so, yeah, really. We were talking the lake. Okay, got us the lake probably. 90, like 96 feet above sea level is probably right around there. Yeah, and I didn't check today. So, Duke, I started the show basically by saying I, I'm not worthy to be in the same room with David Handy. Last week we were talking about the Masters. He, he quipped rather quickly saying, you know who to watch out for? Hideki Matsusumi. Wow. Is that right, Dave? Really I did. I picked him in my pool. Wow, and I also impressive. had Spieth. But just to let you know, I didn't. I uh, also had Dustin Johnson. Yeah, he didn't make the cut, so that killed no, me. No, he didn't make it. Yeah, I got a good feel here. I'll be. My only concern here is the weather. It's been great weather. I've been swimming the last three days. Ocean temp probably sixty-seven. He's warm enough for me. But for the forecast, next three of the four days sounds like a pretty good chance for rain. That's my only concern with the uh, RBC Heritage. But it's a good feel. Dustin will be here, if only because he's the RBC ambassador, as in Royal Bank Canada, one of their sponsors. Jordan's here, and I can't wait wow. to follow around Mr. Will Zalatoris. What about what about Will? I know it. Huh? So Duke, I yeah. that was one of my question on, on on my notes is, and I quote, "How do you qualify?" Now I know he got a sponsor exemption. I will be honest; I've never heard of this guy, and literally, I've never seen a skinnier golfer or probably a skinnier athlete in any sport than this guy. Uh, they said yeah. on the broadcast or some news I was watching, he's listed at a hundred. 65 pounds, and the other guy goes, yeah, right, if he has seven bricks in his back pocket. Yeah, I've seen 160 with a waist of 28 inches. I have fond memories. I still have a lot of 34-inch pants that I can get into, but I'm officially a 36-32 a guy these days. He's got a 28-inch a waist, yeah. I think. He, uh, yeah, he pretty, he pretty much came out of nowhere, but I think he got into the he got into the mess because he had just broken into the top 50. I think he had a sixth-place showing at the U.S. Open, which helped him tremendously. Sure. But, yeah, this guy is good. He, uh, when he hits a ball, it's electric. Yeah. The ball oh, really he, jumps he, off his great. gloves. Mm. Yeah. He's an ACC boy, which you probably know. Wake Forest ground. He, he, was, he went to Wake on an Arnold Palmer scholarship, I think. But, uh, no, yeah, this guy's great. He seems like a great kid, so, so I can't wait to see Anyway, so it should be a good good time. And boy, I'm going to have the place to myself on the 20% capacity. Wow. And I've got tickets for all four days. Like I said, my only slight concern is the weather, but hopefully, hopefully there won't be any driving. Right? So, Duke, who, who, yeah. who, who do you imagine you'll follow the most? Well, you know, I, I mean, there are plenty of good guys there. I think I, I, think I read that there were 35 Masters players who came down. But folks, sounds like I love Paul Casey. Paul Casey's here. Lee Westwood. Jordan Spieth is here. I'll definitely give some attention to George, Dustin, and certainly Will Zalatoris. Yeah. So I got I got plenty of guys to deal with. Good. Now, did you swim in the ocean? I've been swimming last few days. I swam about an hour ago. Three great swims. In, in ocean the... swimming is about the uh, top of my delights in life. It doesn't get much better for me than. Ocean swimming, yeah. Yeah, good right. for you. I'm looking, for the record, I'm looking out. I'm on my third floor 
balcony at my oceanfront condo, Tough Life. Looking out at the ocean right now, I can actually see the state of Georgia. I can see Tybee Island, Georgia, which is about maybe 10, 15 miles away. It's kind of back inland, Tybee Island. But uh, it's a nice spot. I saw dolphins. I bet I saw dolphins four times today. Wow. Saw a lot of dolphins. But, yeah, the, the ocean's great. What can I say? ocean's great. Anyway, hey, so what if that Julian Edelman is big Julian's officially retired? Plan man reported that to me today. Yeah, he didn't pass his physical, but it was more really? just basic protocol. And about huh. 90 minutes later, he announced his retirement. Wow, really? Yeah, that knee, the knee huh. injury never really healed properly. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're a Patriots fan, which I have four Dan. I'll go to my grave having uh, obviously great feelings about Julian Edelman. What yeah. a what a gamer! What a great ball player! Yeah, seventh round I, seventh round draft pick, wasn't he? God, I can't say. Of course, he was drafted as a quarterback. He, yep, he quarterback in college. Good passes in his life, but I think Belichick. Uh, somebody, I think somebody sent Belichick some film on him, and Belichick just struck. I think he saw some game when Kent State was getting killed by. I don't know, Ohio State or some biggie. And Edelman just hung in there and stuff, played like, you know, just kept playing so tough. I think I read that somewhere that Belichick saw that and said, hey, this guy looks like might might be worse than a good pick. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so baseball, my Red Sox, haven't the Red Sox, didn't they win the first game today? Uh, they – they started the season off playing the lowly Orioles. They lost, lost three in a row. Lost three yeah. in a row, and wow. the whole world was absolutely destroying the Red Sox, saying oh, they're sure. garbage and all that. Yeah. Well, they have a doubleheader today. They won game number eight in a row today with wow, a, a three-two victory. Uh, huh. And you know the the kids are the kids are all right. They're 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 playing well. Uh, starting yeah, pitching, you know, you've got to have not good but great starting pitching to even envision an eight-game win streak. Yeah. So, and you know my old saying, Duke, a win in April counts just as much as a win in September. Yeah, so, sure. you know, good, yeah. good, good for them. Yeah. Hey, back to golf for a second. This yep. just came out of the blue when I was when I was pulling into Hilton Head on Saturday. I, I wasn't quite on the island. I had to get gas. And lo and behold, there's a Goodwill store right next to the gas station. And you may or may not know how I love Goodwill stores. I actually picked up a couple of Club 3, and I got a, a nice-looking driver and a 3-wood. And I got Hawk. I got, I got myself a good-used putter. You know, that'll be the uh, salvation. Phrase. But I also got a couple of books, one of which I have in front of me right here. I had never heard of it, never run across it. Life Swings. And it's Dick Faldo's autobiography. And I think you're going to love it. It's one of the best books. Oh. He's incredibly honest about, like, his failed marriages and everything. His sense of humor is great, but I'm loving, I'm loving this book. It's a great book. Yep. Sounds, I'll definitely borrow that one. The print, the print might be a little tough for you. Mr. Yeah. Handy, I bet, will race through it. My <laughs> only concern with you is the print. Yeah, <laughs> and just I thought of my I thought of my man Xander Shoffley at the Masters. Just one sentence here, which any golfer can appreciate. This is after Nick early in his career, I guess, blew a match or something. How quickly are the 
how quickly are the mighty humbled in golf? Something we can all, except maybe Mr. Hickey, we can all appreciate. <laughs> oh, yeah. hey, getting back to Vander, I love Vander. I think what think what happened, I think Vander understandably felt he had to get a birdie on 16. I'm sure he figured Hideki would probably par in. Vander's two shots, two shots behind. So on 16, definitely a birdie chance. I think he just felt he had to go for it and had to get a birdie there to get a chance. Unfortunately for him, it went the other way. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he, he to me, died a hero. He, he, he did go for it. He went for it. And what's yeah. so demoralizing is when the ball rolls into the creek and, yeah. and the ball just floats down he the said, creek. He said he thought he hit the ball well and where no, he wanted right. to. It's just that a gust came up. Oh, okay. And, and that's why it was short. But you know what? You're on, you just birdied four holes in a row. Yeah. You'd like to think, God, at least I ought to do is get a three out of this. And yeah. then you hit like in the water and you end up with a triple bogey. Oh, uh, I know. Yeah, I, that's, that's cruel. Yeah, but again, I think he, I think he really, I think he figured, you know, understandably that he really had to get a birdie there. So anyway, but another good effort by my man Sander. Just one more thing from the book. This is uh, Nick when he came across Sam Sneed. Meeting and even better, being able to talk to Sam is a memory I'll forever cherish. To watch him on the practice ground was, in golfing terms, the equivalent of hearing Pavarotti saying Nessam Dorma or gazing upon Michelangelo painting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. As a wise man once said, anyone who would pass up the chance to see Sam Sneed play golf would pull the shades driving past the Taj Mahal. <laughs> but uh, but I'm telling you, it's a great it's a great book. It's yeah, a great book. It sounds it. Book. so. Anyway, so you guys are doing okay. Any any huge news out of Vermont? No, no not really. No, no, yeah. no. So okay, anyway, Duke. Celtics, talk anything Celtics? Uh, Celtics seem to be still 500 team. Any uh, nothing about the Celtics? They're on a four game win streak right oh, now. Really? They, they beat a very good Portland Trailblazer team last night. Uh, so, And they're playing your favorite team, the L.A. Fakers, 10 o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, no, really? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're getting a good barometer test with these guys, and uh, they've actually pushed themselves into fifth place right now. So, yeah. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. There's still a bunch of games left. Uh, uh, I, I guess I won't draw any conclusions until after the regular season. Uh, yeah. But they are at least playing better in the last week and a half. And what about your hockey guys? Are the Habs playoff material right now? Yeah, the Bruins and Canadians are both pretty well entrenched in fourth yeah. place, and that's pretty much where I expect them to be when the season ends in uh, mid-May. So, yeah. Yeah. So. We're talking about the season still has a, a month to go, huh? Yes. Yeah. So what, yeah. what about basketball? Basketball, not that much? Um, I, they're pretty well on the same the schedule. Lower? Yeah. 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 Anyway, so. any, any big uh, football news besides Mr. Edelman for me? Huge football news? No, no, because when they had the free agency, 
uh, a few weeks ago. That's, you know, that's where the news was. And after about 72 hours, that dried up. Now, you get back here on the show April 28th. And, and of back course, to the record, I'll literally be getting back next Wednesday night. My guess is at about 730. You want me to just going to be you two or maybe a third person? No, it'll just be Dave and I. Well, you want me to, if I get there? Like, say, with a half hour to go, should I wander in? Yeah, if, sure. If, absolutely. It's about 50. I usually get back at about 730. If I get back by 730, I'll wander in. It just depends on traffic and weather. So, yeah, sounds good. But now, I, yeah, yeah, definitely in full for April 28th, for sure. Yeah. So Christmas in April, April 29th, the NFL yeah. draft, one of my favorite nights of the whole yeah. year. So I hear you. Any any new any new Patriot quarterback news? Um, Jimmy G is still with the Niners. At yeah, this moment? I, I don't. Well, the Niners drive. Uh, dra- no, they threw him under the bus. They're they, not going to beat Jimmy G, are they? The, the Niners traded up to the number three position. Right. Yeah. No. And apparently, their coach Kyle Shanahan's in love with Mac Jones. Now, yeah. when this whole draft stuff starts after the Super Bowl. Mac Jones was a mid-round second rounder, and he's just absolutely escalated himself up there. Uh, Patriots, of course, picking 15th. Uh, I envision them draft uh, moving up a bit to get a quarterback. Will there be be anybody left? Uh, If they move up, Maybe the eighth position, I think Carolina has it. Maybe they can uh, get a, a Trey Lance out of North yeah, Dakota State. Uh, yeah. He he may drop. Maybe. Who's going to go with Fields? Is the 49ers? Or? Uh, some people think uh, Shanahan's playing the game with Jones. He, he could end up on the Niners. Um, but uh, he'll, he'll be swallowed up in the top ten. Wow. Hey, one other one other notice. I think about it. Um, I kind of spaced out in the finals, but I did see those tough UMass Minute Men win their semifinal game in OT. And kudos to the uh, Minute guys winning their first uh, Frozen Four hockey championship. Duke wasn't that many years ago that yeah. UMass Amherst was the paper on the bottom of a birdcage. Uh, they right. were horrible. Yeah. Horrible year after year after year. Yeah. Uh, they injected some money into the program, took it more seriously. They have built yeah. a new arena, and here they are, number one team in the country, just winning the uh, Final Four this weekend. It's uh, incredible. And I'll tell you one thing before we leave, Duke. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Bean Pot Tournament in February. Yeah. S- some people are suggesting. Um, that they let Amherst into this tournament and, and pick out it out who? That's the good question. The team we got they B- would B- kick B-B-U, out Duke Northeastern and Harvard. Right. The team they would kick out on the year to year basis is to make the consolation game meaningful, they would kick out the loser of the consolation game. That to me makes a lot. So of they rotate five huh. teams. Yes, UMass. Right. right. So that consolation game, you're not going through the motion. 
I mean that sure, that sure. that bean pot is big. So they they fill the garden oh, up. Sure. You know, seventeen thousand yeah. strong. Oh yeah, they've been doing that forever. I Ever. think I remember that. Yeah, growing up, I think I vaguely remember the bean pot. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, well, you guys, sure you can understand that cocktail hour looms is about a ten minute walk down the beach. There's a Holiday Inn, which has live, not great, but live music every day. So I can grab a frosty or two and go to music. But good to talk to you. And, and I, if I don't, I might just be in next week or the week after for sure. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Okay. Hey, we'll see you later. Okay. Bye, Joe. Bye, guys. See ya. Have I turned green with envy here? <laughs> yeah. So he's at what? Hilton Head right now? Place on, on, on the yeah, beach. Yeah, the weather's nice, too. Uh, swimming in the ocean three times, going to the Holiday Inn, having some cheap beers, listening live music, and 12 hours from now, he'll be at the uh, RBC Golf Tournament. Rough life. Somebody has to do it. Well, the uh, there's a reason why everybody's moving down south. Mm-hmm. Of course, they forget that here from... The next four or five months are absolutely gorgeous. I mean, middle of May to the to middle of October. Mm-hmm. It's really great. Here. Yeah, it's a great place to live. Yeah, it is. And you know what? We were talking today, and you know, Florida is booming, and there's stuff going on all. But you know what? Every street now is three lanes wide. Every every corner has a a mall. Every development is, is – they're building 10,000 houses at a time. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. When I get retired, um, I'm thinking seriously of getting a place either in Fort Myers or the Naples area. Well, that's, that's the booming area, and it's beautiful down yeah. there. And that way I will live there six months, one day, and become that Florida resident with no state taxes. But the uh, – the issue is you can't just do anything. Everything, you know, you got to start planning your trip because there's so much traffic. And when we drove across, because we flew into Orlando and then drove down to uh, Fort Myers, that I-70 or 75, whatever it is, uh, through Alligator Alley, man, the cars are going 90 miles an hour, yeah. and you're getting passed. Yeah. You know, on the opposite end of the scale, California... It's losing people right and left. They can't lose enough to make it any good. California is terrible. California used to be the epitome of what greatness is. And the state of California has more poverty than any state in I the think, country. I think, isn't it 20% of the people are on assistance? I think so. And I know San Francisco in the last half of last year lost 115,000 residents. They, I mean, it's a drug-ridden city, feces all over the place. The, uh, that socialist agenda just doesn't work. People need to have some skin in the game. Absolutely. And that's, that's what makes a difference. Mm -hmm. But until, until they suffer enough, I'm reading a, a book now. It's a, a part two on Margaret Thatcher. Mm -hmm. And England had the same issues that we're going through right now, except only in the 50s. To give you an idea, back in 1900, England was the most powerful country in the world, largest industrial, yep. everything was going great. 
1950, they were on their back. And by, 19, by the middle 70s, the average worker's productivity in England, their factory workers, was 20% of what it was in 1940. Wow. How? Well, because what they did in England is they nationalized every industry. Okay. Automobiles, uh, coal, electric. Uh, nothing was private. And what happens is, is the unions were very powerful, and they kept taking more and more and doing less and less. Mm-hmm. And, and when uh, Thatcher came along, what she did is she sold all these industries, like uh, British Leyland and Rolls-Royce and, and uh, the coal and British Petroleum and all that. And by the time she was done, their productivity was back up to where it belonged. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll give you another little tidbit, and then I'll go back to sports. The, uh, in Russia, in Russia, after they collectivized all the farms back in the 20s, when they took all the farms and made one big farm out of them, food production plummeted. And for many years, the Russians made more food out of their little acre plot or half acre plot behind their house that they grew themselves Mm -hmm. than these thousand acre farms that they had because you know what people are selfish what's in it for me and if if those are my vegetables i'm going to take care of them if everybody else is going to eat them i'm not going to do a damn thing for absolutely and so anyways and uh but what amazes me is in sports sports we don't do socialization we don't give you. We don't give you. We might give you a pat in the back for a good effort, but there's only one gold medal, and that goes to the winner. Yeah. Doesn't matter how hard you try, and the world is a tough place. We've kind of forgotten that, mm. and and you compete, and there's winners and losers, and all you are entitled to is an opportunity. You aren't entitled to have if if some guy goes out and he hits a thousand golf balls a week, and all of a sudden he's a scratch golfer. And I'm playing once every three weeks. Why should I beat him? Mm-hmm. If he beats me, that's because he worked for it. Right. He's put the time and effort. Absolutely. And uh, so anyway. Yeah. So um, last week we started the show 22 minutes uh, about the uh, the ballless Rob Manfred pulling the All-Star game out of Atlanta. And I actually got a call at home. Believe it or not, saying, geez, what a great show that was. <laughs> and I will tell you, we don't hit home runs every show here. <laughs> you know, some are very good, some are mediocre. But I was really proud of our efforts last week, and I thought that was a really good show. But one thing, well, and my main point, too, was the idiot president of Delta, you know, uh, supporting. Uh, pulling the All-Star game out. So we we went through that. But I missed the most important point because of my stupidity is, and again, it's all about voter ID. They they don't want voter ID down there. All right, so the context is All-Star game, Atlanta baseball. I wish I was smart enough to ask you this. David, you've got tickets waiting for you at Atlanta's baseball park. You go to the will call window. You say, David Handy, four tickets 
Okay. What What's their next thing? They're you going, gotta give them an ID. They're gonna say, "Sir, may I see a picture ID?" Okay. That's. I mean, I can keep ranting here for another hour. That's all they need also to say is they ask for a picture ID at the will call window to get your tickets. Okay. See what happened was. With all these mail-in, not mail-in ballots, but all these ballots that everybody got, nobody bothered to check. And they just put them through the scanners. And that's, and you know what? If the, if the election is to have any integrity, it needs to be one man, one vote. And there's nothing wrong with that. In Vermont, we only have one voting day. In Georgia, they have 10 days. They are open with this new law. For 10 different days, you can go vote. Ten different days, plus you still have the option of getting a, a absentee ballot, mail-in ballot, just like you always did. I mean, how tough is that? How stupid is that? And and doesn't any these corporate Americans, GM's the same way, uh, Coke, Ford, they're all the same. They all lay down to this woke culture and say, God, no problem. Oh, you want to move the outside? Go ahead. So they move it. Who do they think they're hurting? They're hurting. Uh, they're hurting the Atlanta Braves. They're hurting all the guys that work for the Atlanta Braves. They're hurting the guys that have the little shops and the, and the guys that are selling the hot dogs and, and the restaurants around. And, the, and Atlanta the is yeah. a, You've got hundreds of millions of dollars worth of tourism money. That's going to come in, and guys are going to go to bars, and they're going to go to restaurants. Well, Atlanta is like 60 70% black. Mm. Denver's 10% black. Yep. Yep. How are you punishing? How are you punishing now the yep. Atlanta Braves for that? Yep. It's unbelievable to me, but it's all there's so much stupidity out there, it's, it's beyond recognition. You, you stole my line. I, I, I feel like I'm floating on the sea of stupidity, and that's what this country is turning it, It's into. awful. So before I go any further, I would be remiss on the passing last Friday of BFA's old hockey coach. Oh, Red Gendron. Red Gendron. Yeah, that would, that's a, he, a shame. He, he was on the golf course, uh, had a massive heart attack, and I believe died right there. On the 63, a uh, year younger than me. Yeah, same, same age as, as, as me. Um, let's see, I'm trying to... Red had quite a career, and he was really turning Maine around. Yeah, I, I printed this off, and I didn't get a chance to read it. Uh, Maine, right, he was turning Maine around, David. Uh, his best season under Jenrin ended early. When the uh, corona pandemic struck in March of 2020, the team had an 18-11-5 record uh, before the Hockey East playoffs were canceled. He was a finalist that year for the Spencer Penrose Award given to the nation's top coach. Jenneran held many coaching positions over his career, was an assistant with the New Jersey Devils in 94-95 when they won the Stanley Cup. I think he was a video yeah, or, coordinator, head of that. He also served coach of the Indiana Ice in the Albany River Rats in the American Hockey League. He came to Maine after serving as assistant coach at UMass and associate coach at Harvard. Um, now, he was John LeClaire's coach, too. Johnny LeClaire's coach and Toby Duclon 
who's been there forever, took over for, for Red. Yeah. And um, I would see Red every year, you know, coming into Gutterson. And, of course, I remember Red got jet white hair, but I remember when Red was actually Red. And let me tell you something. Red was no... Old school, Softball. David. Old no, school. Old school. I'm going to give you a story I got about Red from Todd Derry. Okay. Because Todd Derry played hockey with those guys for Red. And remember in the old days, the cool field rink? Yep. The locker room was the old field house, and then they had that yes. long hallway? Yep. Well, they were playing somebody. And you remember the gang shower in the uh, field house? The water that pressure would, would clean an elephant. It was... It, that shower, it was like a wide shower. It was with, a big circle. Right, with concrete. about 20 streams coming up. You, you were like cattle going through and, that. And the water pressure, <laughs> the water pressure would peel your skin off if yeah. you were in it for too long. Well, they were uh, playing, and that's where they were sitting down. And uh, they, they were in between periods, and they weren't playing very good. So Red threw a fit, and he smashed... One of the shower heads. And it was squirting all over Todd Derry. <laughs> and they were so afraid of him, they wouldn't move. And finally he said, move, you damn fool. <laughs> Get out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Red used to play touch football with us because I played touch football forever at Cool Field on Sunday mornings. Were you part of that Thanksgiving? I used to be King, uh, the, that the Turkey Bowl. John Kimmel? Yeah. Oh, I played with Johnny forever. Of uh, the radio yes. station? I played for about 25 years. Yeah. And uh, anyways, one time uh, somebody, Red was on the line and somebody did something to him he didn't like. <laughs> and the next time he bopped him right in the nose. Yeah. <laughs> Red yeah. was a, and uh we remember he used to play softball for. Uh, he was on uh, CI with uh, LaRose. Cooperative Insurance, and uh, and he was with Jimmy Bashaw and those guys. And I remember I'd be on third base. <laughs> That's right. And somebody hit a ball, and he'd be coaching or something. Hey, I don't know what my number is. Hey, twenty-seven, stick a fork in it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. No, Red was a good guy, and uh, my kids got to saw him. Bud had a hockey tournament one time in uh, Glens Falls, and they were playing the River Rats, and we went there at that time so that we could go to the River Rats game. David, I actually went to that arena because uh, Martin St. Louis was uh, a draft pick of – uh, the Calgary Flames. He was playing for St. John, New Brunswick Flames. So uh, they, they came into Albany or Glens Falls. Glens Falls. Glens Falls. So me and a couple of hockey guys, we, we went down there. And David, I'd be lying if there were at least eight fights during the game. And we, it was, phew. Well, the, uh, when we went, of course, that's some big rink. Yep. And Glens Falls, I don't think, is much bigger than St. Albans. Yep. So that was really something. They moved, the Red Wings moved that team to Kansas City. Yep. The, yep. And then later did, did, on. Did they used to call them Adirondack Red Wings? Is that what it was called? I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, then later on, they ended up getting a single A team at Eastern League. And let me tell you, the game we saw, they were, uh, it was uh, 
two of uh, Wayne Gretzky's brothers were on the other team. I think they were from Memphis or somewhere. Oh, I remember one brother, Keith. The game didn't even start, and they were fighting. Yeah. And it was just like WrestleMania. And before the game had a minute to go, there were more people in the penalty box than there were on the bench. And Gretzky's brother played the whole period because there weren't there weren't more than uh, five or six guys on the bench. Yeah. Uh, for each team, and it was it wasn't that great of hockey. But when Red was with Albany, Albany was good. Yep. And uh, and uh, but we. It's funny, too, because Maine used to be a staple of top 10 hockey teams Maine every was, year. wasn't and just hockey, baseball, football. David, Excuse me. Maine was a, a, the premium Eastern team. No question, because for whatever reason, I, I don't know why, but the Maine baseball program of all places used to be at the top 10, top 15. Oh, College nation. World Series every you year. Know, it, was, it was incredible. And Paul Correa. Remember him? Yeah. Played for University of Maine, the hockey player, and did most of his time with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks or Ducks and uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame. Wasn't there a good goalie to come from Maine? Thank you, David. I That's a good memory for an old fellow. Uh, Mr. Ben Bishop of yes. the Dallas Stars. All of six feet, six inches. I remember the first time I saw him in person. I said, oh, my God. I mean, you had about that much net you could actually see. Now... Uh, another thing I pulled off, and again, I didn't have a chance to even read this. Uh, they were talking about possible replacements for Red. Uh, they did indicate here that Red was the lowest paid coach in Hockey East at $213,000. UMaine has the second lowest recruiting budget. And the 45-year-old Alfond Arena is in severe need of upgrades. Now, I remember when Alfond Arena was built 45 years ago. It was like the State palace. Of the art. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, uh, Duke called earlier asking about U UMass Amherst. And as I said, they were a bottom feeder forever. They decided, open up your checkbook and well. invest. That's why UVM... Is so terrible. You you want to play with the big boys. You got to get that when, checkbook out of your back pocket. And they made a critical mistake leaving the ECAC, going to play in Hockey East, arguably the best hockey conference in the country. And they had no intentions of spending the money. We get third-tier players into Burlington, and it showed. I mean, there are too many people. Think of UVM hockey. And they're still thinking of uh, Eric Perrin, Mark St. Louis, and Tim Thomas. Well, folks, that was a quarter century ago. This program has been terrible. And, of course, this year, and I'm not blaming the new head coach, and it was a short season, one victory. Yeah. They, uh, they've got a lot of work to do. A lot of work. And uh, I can remember, just to let you know how, how these things change, when Emmy was playing hockey at Trinity, Trinity. Now remember Trinity's D three. They had a hockey game at UMass, and UMass didn't even have a varsity girls hockey team. They were a club team. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Yep. And now, of course, UMass is a beautiful arena down yeah. there. Yep. And because uh, the rink when Emmy played there wasn't that nice, 
course, UMass is the the campus. Have you ever been there? No. They got about five skyscrapers that are like twenty five or thirty stories tall. Those are dorms. So give me the student population. Are we talking like twenty five thousand? It's a big school, yeah. Like Northeastern's got what, like forty thousand students? Uh, I don't know, but a lot. And I don't think Northeastern's that big. Um, the uh, of course, when you say UMass Amherst, there's also UMass Boston, which is a D3, D3 school. And there's also a very good program, UMass Lowell, right. which has been a really good team the last 10, 12 years. Right, and our buddy and, Riley Whitmore was captain for that. Right, and uh, uh, Stat Boy, that used to be the engineer when we first started the show 18 years ago, uh, he moved in that area. He's got season tickets down there, and that arena is really nice. In fact, in the, I can't remember the name of the auditorium, about, oh. Songus. I don't. Is it Songus? I don't remember, but it was some old auditorium about 15 oh, years oh, ago. Oh, no, but the new one. Is the new one Songus? Right. I, I think it is. But there was just an old auditorium there. Me and my lovely wife, we had the great pleasure of seeing the monkeys <laughs> perform. And, and Lowell. In Lowell, <laughs> yes. Now, I, I agree with you. I think. UVM made a big mistake in going to Hockey East, and here are my reasons. Number one is they passed themselves off as an academic school. Well, who would you rather be in? You want to be in with Harvard and Yale and all those guys, or you want to be with uh, UMass Lowell and uh, UMass and BU and those guys? Or, and number two, the reason why... You had hockeys because if you remember, if you go way back, D1, you had ECAC West, ECAC East. Yep. And the Hockey East was strictly a power play for money. And the ECAC said, look, you guys want to play too many games. You want to play in the middle of the week. You want to play uh, tournaments. We think that our guys at least ought to be students. Mm-hmm. So the the rule was there was only maybe one weekday game a month, and all the rest of the games were on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And we did fine ECAC, yep. and ECAC has had national champs. It was just a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Yale and uh, uh, I think so. And Union, and Union's about ECAC five five six years ago, I believe, won the national championship. And I think it was a lot better rivalry, like with St. Lawrence David, and Clarkson. That you're stilling on my points, man. And uh, uh, it, David, there was nothing better better than BCBU coming to to your barn than having Clarkson and St. Lawrence. And and, and when they would play there, they'd and, lose every weekend. And think of what you want. And I don't have good thoughts when I think of Ivy League schools, but nevertheless, they were the Ivy League. So when you see a Princeton, a Yale, a Harvard in your rank, it's kind of cool. It was prestigious. Yeah, it was, and and, um, and it was kind of a big deal for Hockey East get UVM because it is kind of known as a good academic school, medical school, etc. I'm not so sure what the reputation is today. Uh, so it looked like it was a good marriage for both. But again, okay, you've got to open it. You, well, uh, you can't keep your checkbook in your the back The trouble pocket. that UVM has is they're not academic enough. If you've got a guy, let's say you've got a kid who's a, a real good student and he's an athlete. 
if you're a really good student, you're going to go to an Ivy League. Now, let's say you get the guy that's just a hockey player. If you're really just a hockey player, aren't you going to go to BC or BU mm -hmm. instead of UVM? So they aren't a good, or Michigan State or one of those. So they aren't a super duper. Just look at the rink. I, I've been in the Clarkson rink a couple times. Mm -hmm. That Clarkson rink, they got a Hall of Fame there. It's a nice rink. Listen. It's impressive. If you were a, a hockey player, and of course I think Clarkson, didn't they get most of their guys from Quebec and, they do. and, and they Ontario? Do. A lot of Ontario yeah. kids. Yep. Yeah. Listen, if you're a premier player in the States and Canada, you've been pampered your whole life. You want to go to the very facilities mean a lot to an 18, 19 year old kid. And Gutterson, I think Gutterson ain't. It's a dump compared yeah, to those things. And places. again, you sit there in bleachers. And again, I was told when that, I think it was 1963 when that was constructed, that the bleachers, they had to get it done. Bleachers were only temporary, they never took the stupid bleachers out. And you say you're like this. And I've told the story a half dozen times. My wife refuses to go to a game uh, with me anymore. And quite frankly, I don't blame her. A, do the seating and B, the, her, her company she's with. But she did, and I told her, it says, when Marty St. Louis jersey was retired, I said, Donna, this is a big deal. You really need to be at this game. Well, everybody's aunt and uncle showed up. And that was the game, you're literally sitting like this. And I turn around, she literally had a tear in her eye. I go, Donna, what's the matter? She goes, oh, my back is so <laughs> sore. And I go, well, can't you shift? And she goes, no. And at the end of the first period, my lovely wife went to the parking garage. And did the Nighthawk follow? <laughs> David, no. So fortunately for Donna, she carries a book and she had her Kindle right. with her. So she was able to entertain herself for the next hour and a half. Well, the, but, the, but that's the way it is. And I have a hockey buddy. He, his lady friend will not go to Gutterson for the very same reason. And I tell you all the time, when I go down Norwich quite a bit, and that's a first-class premium, there's not a better D3 program in the whole country. You've got your own individual seat, okay? Uh, Norwich is a great ring. And David, um, when I do stuff, okay, I don't want to think about food. So I get down there, I eat. I get right in the uh, cafeteria with the cadets. If you're ever down on this country, go sit with the cadets. They're all, we were talking about 28 inch waist. All these kids yeah. down there, 28 inch waist. They open the door for you, and they keep calling you, sir. It's like, I thought that was like a Latin word. Here you go, sir. And I remember I was getting a clam chowder soup, and uh, the spoons, they were out of spoons. Sir, you wait right there. I'll go get the spoons for you. He did. Sir, would you like to cut in line? No, no, I'm a nobody. No, that's, <laughs> you know. They, uh... But, Dave, the funny thing is, I eat my meal, Okay. And my hockey buddy will go off, talk to, he knows a lot of people down there graduated from Norwich. So I will go sit in my seat. 
I'm an extremely routine person. I've got my MP3, which nobody else in this country owns, hasn't owned for 20 years, okay? So I listen to my classic rock, and they sell coffees for a dollar there. So it's very nostalgic. So I, I drink my dollar coffee, listen to classic rock for about 45 minutes before the start of the game, own seat, plenty of room, and I said, thank you, Jesus, I'm in heaven. Then. A week later, I'm at Gutterson. It's like, ah. Oh. Well, it's a, it's a tough road to hoe. If you're going to be in with the big boys, you gotta, you got to step up. And I think they should go back to ECAC, but well, I don't know anything. Yeah. And, uh, well, I told you a few weeks ago, I had a client who's doing the construction work at UVM with the new Tarrant Center. It's kind They're, of on hold, isn't it? I think he told me they start back up like May 1st. Now, month of April here, best, best April I've ever seen in my life. So if they haven't been working, they've wasted some valuable time. And I, I mentioned to you three, four weeks ago, he told me, and I'm talking to him about, oh, man, you're working down there. And this guy was a big, burly, construction-looking kind of fella. And I said, wow, man, I don't get it. I said, uh, the games that they have down there, the few games, I see bleachers. I said, I would just have assumed, granted there's no fans because of the Wuhan virus, but the very minimum, they would have gutted all the bleachers out. And then he goes to me, oh, I don't think they're taking the bleachers out. I go, no, no, come on. This is a $100 million overall project. I said, they got to be, no, I, I don't think so. Then I had clients that both work there in like the computer department or something like that and they sit uh, f like 10, 15 feet away from me. I said, Tish, I just had a construction guy. He told me uh, they're not taking the bleachers off. No, I I didn't hear they were putting... No, well, I, I'll tell you so, what else. So what in the hell are they thinking, David? The, they're just doing they, that mezzanine maybe between that and the... Uh... He said the main work was shoring up uh, the side of Gutterson that's going to abut butt. I was going to say, boy, you beat me on the word. A butt, but also use the word kiss the new Terrence right. Center. They have to strengthen that wall up. So, and Dave, can't tell you how many millions of dollars from that huge, huge scoreboard, okay? Give me a C. I'm one of those people... Okay, I go ape when I see make noise. If the product's if good, make, you don't need to make noise. Right. If show me some great play, I'll make noise. I'm not particularly a, a noise maker when I'm at the game. I well, I'll tell you what. What they should do is they should take some film of Gutterson back 25, 30 years ago when, a, when it was still full of college kids and not old guys like us. Yep. That place was rocking. Yeah. When I went to UVM, when I went to UVM, the whole back wall was all students. Yep. And the guys would get all tuned up for the game. And then <laughs> tuned up. Okay. And then you had then you had, remember the guy that used to wear the, like the fisherman's yes. rain suit? Jim, is that Jim Condos, who's now the Secretary of State? I'm not sure, but he would do, you know, like the YMCA. Oh, absolutely. And, and then they would yell at the other goalie, Siv, Siv, yep. Siv. And 
the place you couldn't hear your ears were so were still ringing two days later of because of the noise and and the uh we went to a game one time and I forget the other team brought their band, and we were sitting next. Cornell always brings their band. Cornell's got a great band. It was they would play yep. a song, and our band would yep. play. That was what college hockey's all about, and that was where Gutterson really shone. But couldn't get a ticket, and especially in the St. Louis years, it wasn't even a sporting activity. It was just it was the event. The event in the state of Vermont that night. Of course, the basketball's kind of gotten that way. Yes, it was the place to be seen. Yes. And I can assure you, when the Terrence Center is finally done in a couple years, uh, God help us uh, being able to get a general admission Well, I'll tell you what else. The thing is, with that arena, if they keep pushing it back, the cost isn't going to... Because they figured, what, it was about $90 wasn't it? They, it was originally 120. And then they got it down to 90. About 90, but we know, David, you've done projects before. You say 90, and you're going to say, well, they'll find ex- the coronavirus and cost of. Well, I'll tell you what. It'll be a pl- a, above 100 million. I'll tell you what. When a sheet of plywood right now is $50, yep. and three years ago it was 10 bucks, that project isn't going to be. 90 million, it's going to be 190 million. David, you pull into my driveway and you don't see a garage there because, as I told you, I had it ripped down last fall. I had foundation people come in, topsoil, everything was just rosy here, except for the old Nighthawk isn't really all that smart. Didn't realize that the cost of lumber was three times as much. So when they're about ready to start the project, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. no, 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 no. I, I said, don't think it's going down any. Well, I think it's going to get worse. My wife's ex-husband is building the garage. He was at the office a couple weeks ago, had all the paperwork, shook his head and said, price hasn't gone down a nickel. And I talked to a lot of people and they all confirm um, now, I also heard, I don't know if this is true, there's going to be shocking government intervention in the lumber industry because... It, That'll just screw it up even more. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean... Well, I think a lot of it is because they... Can the lumber from Canada come down right now or... Well, that's the thing. I, I don't know, David, because the best lumber in the world is from Canada. Um, and I do watch a show on the Weather Channel... I think it's called Mud Track Collars, just started about a month and a half ago, and it's out in British Columbia, and they're just like 45-degree angles cutting all these trees down, and they always have a little thing beginning of the show. Every year, they plant a quarter billion new trees. Of, of all the ills we've done in our lifetime, we've done a great job of the forestry because we've always been very uh, cognizant of you take a tree down, right? But build a couple more. Now, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing the lumber industry has been hurt due to the fact that newspapers are pretty much non-existent now. Oh, I think that's made it. So, that's why all the pulp business is all out of Maine. Yeah, because there's no and paper. You know what? Most of your paper now comes from China. No way. Yes. No way. Yes. Okay. Now the messenger, I think, comes out of. 
it's New Hampshire, I think, the Manchester area. I don't know. Yeah, that's where. Do you know how much paper used to go into a New York Times, a Boston Globe, uh, L.A. Times, that people aren't using that paper anymore? And I remember my wife, Carrie, has a friend of hers who was in our wedding. Her husband used to work for a company that would recondition printing presses. And he was up, oh, God, it's probably 15. Who invented the printing press? Gutenberg. That's right, Gutenberg. Okay, go ahead. I just So anyway, now this was back before the Internet hit. So it was probably 20, 25 years ago. He came up and he had to do, it was either the messengers or the free press. And basically, do you remember the papers used to be bigger? The messenger? The messenger. Not only uh, more stuff in it, the actual paper was bigger. It was like 13 inches wide or 15 inches wide by 30. He was saying that, and then they changed it to like 11 inches. Same with the messenger. Just those two inches of, of paper saved i can't tell you how many thousands and thousands of pounds of paper and so when you think of not even making newspapers anymore and it won't be long i can't imagine and magazines who who uh who buys magazine anymore except for richard i subscribe to the podcast bill o'reilly i I like bill o'reilly he was saying on yesterday's show in the last year uh and it's a very, very liberal paper. Did not start out that way. It's a Gannett paper, the USA Today. It used to be a very generic, you couldn't tell. It was like People Magazine right. paper. You couldn't, it was a decent paper. You couldn't tell what, and um, I check on the USA Today every day, the sports, the entertainment, the travel, but the politics in there, nasty. Oh, Nasty, it's awful. and and he said it's just a matter of time before USA Today goes out of business. Well, the uh, I only uh, I only subscribe to the online free press. That's what I do. And the only reason I do is for the crossword puzzle, okay, and the Sudoku, mm-hmm. and the jumble. Yep. And if they ever get rid of that, yeah, I'm done. And David, I will say this. Oh, maybe the obituaries too. Good for you. They say for old people that that's. Absolutely great during pulses and Sudoku. It's brain exercise because what happens to us seniors is, you know, you try to stay active with your golf and stuff, but we don't quite use our brains quite as much as we once did. And you know, well, I always, I always felt that your brain was kind of like a bottle of beer, and every time you use it, there's a little bit less. So I've been saving mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've been saving mine for old age. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. Well, let's see. How do we get... I don't know. What do we got left? How about the... Actually, I want to bring this up, some baseball. Um, Don't follow the Yankees. You are... Oh, we have a phone call. Good evening. You're on the Best Damn Sports Show in Franklin County. Hello. Hello, fellas. How are we doing? Greetings. Call in, check in, see what's going on. Um, I was uh, just making my... uh, Phone call to Fenway Park to get my World Series tickets. Yeah. You you didn't pick a good year to boycott the Red Sox. 
Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. You did. You know, I'm. You know my feelings on the coach and LeBron James just buying in. No, no. And you know, um, baseball the last few years have been um, just slowly, I guess, boring me to death. Um, I, my heart is with football. I love a good football game, but um, you know, baseball it just it takes too long. Um, you know, it's just stretched out. Now, I read a thing today where um, in the Atlantic League, I think it is, they do experiments down there with baseball. They're moving the mound back another foot because um, the major leagues and these other leagues feel that too many people are striking out, and they feel that extra foot that a batter gets to see the ball, that um, it'll work to their advantage to hit it. Color, so, I, you know, I, the last I uh, knew that, uh, you know, people are complaining the games are too long. Color, I, I actually made a copy of that blurb of Rob Bell. If anything, what you would like to do is build that mound back up higher. I like strikeouts in the game. Yeah, The still technically independent Atlanta League has a new partnership with MLB, which, ha- which was established over the winter, and it's going to serve as a testing ground for some of baseball's bolder ideas that are aimed at improving the overall entertainment value of the sport. Jason Stark notes, the mount distance, welcome to the woke world we live in. The mount distance in pro baseball has been 60 feet, 6 inches for the last 128 years. The thought is that pushing it back another foot from home plate will increase reaction time for hitters and lead to more balls in play. Well, here's the deal. You keep it at 60 feet, 6 inches, and you teach these batters to hit the ball. How on to the hit the ball. How to make contact. How, I'll tell you what, and I put up with a lot of crap with sports, and I'm not as, as brave as this guy uh, to boycott, but if they go to 61 feet and 6 inches, I'm done. I mean, you absolutely You know, the thing done. is, what, um, what they should do then is move the bases back a foot. <laughs> Well, they uh, they could ban the shift. I love defense. So I I I love I love smart play. To me, you don't need a five to four baseball game, even though you get well, a lot. Well, if the guys could hit, if the guys didn't all try to have launch angle and bat speed, and they could hit the ball to the if you got three fielders on one side of the field. A, a, a guy like Tony Gwynn or Wade Boggs, yeah. they would hit 700 okay. in today's baseball. Wade Boggs is in the Hall of Fame. A chicken before every game had a girl married, but had a longtime girlfriend. Margo was her name. Margo Adams. Yeah. And she, he brought her on the road for years. So that was his uh, away squeeze. Uh, but, uh, 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 Wade Boggs ended up with about a 320 lifetime batting average. This guy was a magician with a bat. But I remember when he he entered his career with the Yankees, people were picking on him by saying, Wade, you're such a selfish batter that you're only out there to, to fatten up your batting average, which I took offense to because you got to have guys on base. you got to have ducks on the pond. How about Rod Carew? How about uh, Tony Gwynn? Tony Gwynn hit 
350 or 360. Yeah. Didn't he hit 380 one year? Yep. Tony Gwynn could put the ball in any direction. Yep. That's what these guys today, John Carlos Stanton, I, I read today, he was 0 for 16. Uh, Judge, oh, and then on top of that, Aaron Hicks couldn't play the other day because of the business in Minnesota. He just didn't feel right. He needed a mental health day. Yeah, it's that's into a that's just free ring circus. That's a joke. Yeah, but they the quality of the game and the guys can't field. Hmm. And then on top of that, I think one of the things they're going to do is get rid of that crazy instant replay on second base where you got to look at it with a microscope to see whether or not the guy took his foot off. That's not how it was meant to be yep. played. Yep. I remember many times when I was playing softball that I slid and I thought I missed the tag. But the ball was there first. And if the ball was there first, you were out. David, I That's all the umpires ever looked okay. for. Okay, I am old school. Thank you for that because I appreciated a good throw to second base. And if the ball beat the runner, I don't care if his foot was in first, I always called the runner out because yes, I rewarded the throw to the bag. And watching the night game last night, uh, it looked like Josh Harrison had his hand in, uh, clearly safe. But I, I took an affront, like, you're wasting time on this. Call him out or safe, and that's it. It's just too much Well, time. The, uh, the instant replay was originally intended only to fix the most egregious errors. Well, now they, yeah. get, they use it for everything. Yeah. they got to get rid of it. But they won't. And again, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but the um, thing is they want to shorten the games up, and every move they make, it seems to lengthen yep. the games. Exactly. And, you know, it really it makes a game almost boring. They take so much time, the excitement just, you know, leaves the room. But, uh, no, I don't, I don't know. And another thing I've said for years for football is, like as far as catching it in bounds, be like college. Have one foot in, and it's a catch, and that would save a ton of time yep. in football as well. Yeah, I I've mean, always did. He get a second toe, and they look at it ninety-eight different angles, twenty-seven times. You know, I, I agreed. I've always been a proponent of one foot in, and it just take, takes all the mystery out of it. I think football, though, at least they've they finally have figured out what's a catch, what isn't a catch, two feet, one feet. At least they've got it down. Of course, they have instant replay for almost every play now. So it, it's yeah. – yeah. Football's a much quicker game, though. Yeah. Caller, caller, were you watching the beginning of the show? Um, I, I don't think I was. So the Duke called in from South Carolina and, and wanted to thank Bobby for – bringing his kayaks down the lake. Well, when that occurred, I believe on Sunday, and I called him, and you sent Donna a picture with, it looks like, the middle of July. And um, I haven't been down the lake in, since last fall. Uh, Duke goes down probably five nights a week just to, at Kill Care just to sit and reflect and all that stuff. Uh, but it's mind-boggling. Um, how low that lake is right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, the whole shorelines are clean, clean up. 
not, nothing got washed up with the high water. I mean, it, it, it's like the first week of July. Yep. The water is crystal clean and clear and cold, but, uh, you know, it, it's kind of scary being in the middle of April. Yeah. Yeah. So. You guys were talking about the price of wood, too. It is totally, totally amazing. David, you're right. A piece of 4 by 8 plywood, um, $56. A 2 by 4 is $6. I bought a four by four by eight pressure treated last weekend, twenty three dollars for isn't, that. Isn't that one crazy? Piece of wood. What, what is and, it normally? Oh, half of that. Okay. And I, I, you know, I remember plywood. I used to buy that sixty, seventy nine cents a, for a piece. You know, <laughs> but um, people are still building all over. The contractors are busy, and you know. Um, Really, money doesn't mean much, you know. I mean, uh, there's houses going up all over. Yeah, but the low interest rates, I think, has everything to do with that right now. Well, yeah, one always offsets the other. But but I can assure you, caller, that by Thanksgiving... Okay. The interest Look, rates are already starting to yeah, creep up. You will see turbulent times. The Consumer Price Index came out yesterday. The old cost of groceries uh, are, are starting to... We're going to have an inflation problem. Yes, huge. Yeah, it's happening right now. It's not advertised, but it's happening. Yep, yep. Uh, and even even the, the vehicles, it's hard to put vehicles together with those um, chips, oh. being a shortage of those chips. Now, I read a piece I thought of you, Dave, the other day where GMC have stopped building the midsize truck so they can concentrate on their top-notch trucks that sell. Yeah, they... Uh, uh, the uh, what's happened is uh, about three million vehicles worldwide not built so far this year because of lack of computer chips. Really, and wow. the computer chips come from China and mostly Taiwan, of course, which will soon be a new state for the for communist China Absolute, because yeah. perhaps oh we we aren't gonna we aren't gonna be able to stop the communist Chinese from taking it when the time comes. Not, not with Joe Biden. Right. I was going to say probably not with the present administration. No. And uh, but anyway, anyway, um, computer chips are just one thing. Uh, after that freeze in Texas uh, a few weeks ago, there's a tremendous shortage of foam. Foam? Foam. Because a lot of petrochemicals are made in Texas. Okay. And think about a, a car. Think about how much foam is in a car. Your seats are foam. The dashboard, okay. the door trim, there's a uh, the trunk. There's a lot of there's a lot of foam okay. in a car, and and uh, the difference today in manufacturing, and it's not just for cars. It's the same. These issues you talk to guys for appliances, for uh, furnaces. Oh, these chips are in computers or in those everything game boys that the kids play. And, and uh, the other big change that's happened, 20 or 30 years ago, most manufacturers, what they do is they would have warehouses full of parts. But they all learned many years ago that it was inefficient. So now they have what's called just-in-time manufacturing, where they only have maybe two-day supply of parts. David, would it be a fair statement by saying... It's much more difficult today versus 25 years ago to find a good auto mechanic. 
Uh, no, no. The guys that are out there are good. Right. I, I don't mean the. Right. I, I, I'm meaning the quantity. It's of- hard to find good. I was talking. I, I uh, did a little work in my cellar, and I've got a, a fella putting in the plumbing. I put a little bathroom in my cellar. He's got more work than he can shake a stick at, and he doesn't know. He'd like to hire another couple of guys. He's got so much work, but the guys he's talking to aren't the kind of guys you can really rely on. Mm-hmm. And so if a guy isn't working right now, there's a reason. Yeah. And, very correct. And very, the other, very true. And then the other thing is, is all these trades, automobiles, electricians, carpenters, plumbers, these guys, people aren't letting, they don't make their kids go in a trade school. And let me tell you, to work on that stuff today you don't you can't be a dummy and do it you need to be smart yeah but people would say oh i'd rather let my kid go so you have your kid go to college graduates with a a degree in psychology and the best he can come up with after you just spent two hundred thousand bucks is maybe he can tend bar on some uh resort somewhere instead if he went to a trade school vtc or uh, or an apprentice. Hey, we've had a couple guys that we had apprentice that are now good mechanics, or and we don't even call them mechanics; they're all technicians. Yep. Because you need to know computers, you need to know electronics, you need all that stuff. And it's not just us. You talk to carpenters, uh, electricians, plumbers, and these guys are making good money, yep. Yep. real good money. So it's a it's a real big issue, and I think. I think these guys, it's all supply and demand. And as long as there aren't enough good guys to work, the guys that you got are going to make a lot of money. Yeah. You know, no big industry. I mean, our company, nobody likes to carry a heavy inventory anymore. No. You know, inventories are, that's a thing of the past. You know, like you said, David, it's a, a lot of them carry a, for a couple of days. I know our company, um, we used to carry big inventories that, you, you know, you just don't tie all your money up in the warehouse anymore. No, and the other thing that's changed a lot with, with manufacturing, when I first started selling cars 50 years ago, companies like General Motors and Ford and GE, they were what's called vertically integrated. And basically what they did is they made everything. A vehicle that General Motors made, 95% of the parts they built themselves. Well, now, in today's world, except for maybe the sheet metal and maybe the motors, they don't build anything. They all buy it from suppliers. And yeah, you we, look out the inside of your door. And it's, it, the, uh, the suppliers are all the same, whether they, it's for Toyota or for us or Ford or Mercedes or whoever the hell it is. They all these suppliers. So what happens if you got a, a supply chain issue like with these computer chips? It's not just one car company. It's all of them. Okay. Oh, correct. And and the other thing they're running out of now is rubber. Natural rubber. There there's going to be a tire shortage. Why? Because there's not enough natural rubber. And what happened is if you go back to last year. All right. The whole world is working on this just in time thing. Well, when you take two months of production out, because basically that's what happened last year. They, nobody built anything in, uh, from the end of March to about the 1st of May. All through March and May and April, 
Nothing got built. That took all the slack out of the whole world's production. Well, all of a sudden, stuff started to come back. We've been sending people money like it's uh, Monopoly money. Yeah. So people are buying stuff, and there's, no, and there's nothing to buy. You can't buy uh, TVs. You can't buy anything. Look at our yard. We, usually, we used to have 150 new vehicles. We've got maybe 50. Yeah, what, what's happening is can't get them in. Can't get them in. a new used car market. Well, they come in. They come in and going out. What people don't realize is most of the stuff we're selling now is, is pre-sold. So we're, we're still selling as much as we ever did, actually more. But a lot of it is coming in and going out. So you're telling me you place an order with Detroit and they can't fulfill your order? Oh, absolutely not. How long has this been going on? It's been, it's been since last year. Okay. You can't. I'll give you an example. In our little area, our our what they call uh, our ADM or uh, Buick and uh, GMC Ad Group, which is mostly the Vermont guys and a few guys from New York. They had maybe last month for uh, for GMC. Maybe they they gave us for on Thursday. The, all the dealers maybe got 150 vehicles. They asked for like 1,300. That's the way it is. Yeah. And now it's kind of good if you're in a retail business because instead of having to give your stuff away because you got too much of it, you, the, the margins are better. Yeah. And eventually they'll, eventually the factories always do overproduce. Hmm. Never fails. May not be this year, but sooner or later. They, because they get their money when they sell it to the store, they don't get their money when they sell it to the retail customer. Yeah. Gotcha. So, now, David, I have a question. Is, as far as, like, leasing a car, if somebody goes to your dealership and lease a car, now, is that car, do you sell that to a leasing company? Yes. Or does that basically go right through you guys? Yeah, no, we sell it. It's sold to, uh, like, GM Financial. Or if Toyota, if, if, they, if somebody leases a Toyota, it's Toyota Motor Credit. Or if it's a Ford, it's Ford Motor Credit, or Chrysler, Chrysler Motor. And they own the car, and then three years to bring it back, and then they got to get rid of it. Now, do you guys buy them back? Yeah, often we do. Yeah. And you know, the used market, there's a lot of good cars out there today because of um, these leases. People lease a car, they take a lot better care of them. Yeah. And, oh. you know, those are brought back to the lot, and, you know, they're great cars out there you know well the uh there's been a, a huge shortage of used cars too and the reason for that is because nobody's been driving rental cars oh all right now you think about yeah. all the rental cars that hertz and avis and budget and alamo and all those guys have well when people weren't driving them they weren't oh, buying right, any. Right. I never thought of that. Your people aren't vacationing, etc. They were. They didn't need the cars, yep. so the cars weren't getting used up. Okay. Because the rental companies like to dump them, you know, every uh, 15, 20, 30,000 miles. So those were putting, you had literally maybe hundreds and hundreds of thousands of used vehicles that were going on a market that aren't there anymore. So not only is new cars, is there a shortage of new cars? The price of used cars is very high. Okay. But it, like I said, if they do the wrong things and the economy starts to sputter, it doesn't take too long. We always say in our business, the difference between too many and not enough is one. 
Okay. Doesn't take yeah. long. Well, I know very little about life, but I will guarantee you by, by Thanksgiving, there'll be such an economic decline in this country. Uh, and you're starting to see buyer's remorse from last November. Well, I think the, uh, the thing is, uh, because things are surging right now, because a lot of states are really starting to open up and you had that pent up demand. It's going to be okay for a while, but when all these crazy tax laws come in, when New York state wants to tax every time somebody sells a stock, what do you yep. think that's going to do to uh, the business on wall street? Those guys will just move to Florida yep. Yep. and that will, it, it's going to show up maybe not this year, but probably in the next couple of years. Hmm. But anyway, it's good now. <laughs> So, uh, any um, changes in the um, football draft, Nighthawk? Um, all I can say is I think the Patriots will be players. I, I really, truly do. Uh, Belichick's had a recent history of doing a horrendously poor job of drafting. Uh, I think they have a pretty good f football team, um, albeit they don't have a quarterback, which means – no success. Um, I think they will move up. I think they'll get themselves a young stud. Uh, what they should have done is uh, let Cam Newton go and brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's still playing very good football, and draft a good young first-round top-ten quarterback to indoctrinate him for the following season. Uh, uh, I guess if I was a Patriot fan right now, I, I, I'm very skeptical of, of the upcoming season. And again, they've taken care of a lot of issues uh, with a free agency uh, period. But uh, it, it'll be fun. Uh, like I said, uh, draft night is probably my favorite night what of the about year. Oh, this, yeah. Now, what about this guy, this linebacker from Penn State that supposedly got a lot of red flags, but he could be another LT? Um, I, boy, I saw something and I was pretty rushed today. This Micaiah Parsons from Penn State, and I don't think I made a copy of it. Um, it the headline was, he's another Odell Beckham. And they said off the record that giant officials are hoping that he still will not be there at the 11th position because talent-wise, he's probably the best defensive player out there. But you do, he, he's had a checkered past with the law. Uh, during high school, he created a riot by screaming gun in the high school cafeteria. Uh, something happened at Penn State, and I can't remember, but they had to settle a civil lawsuit pertaining to him. Now, isn't there some big shot tight end, too, the Giants would love to get? Uh, everybody. Kyle Pitts out of Florida. And when the mock draft started, everybody before the Patriots picked up two tight ends in the free agency had Pitts at number 15 going to the Patriots. Right now, he's mocked a tight end going to number four to the Atlanta Falcons. Wow, he's I that mean, good. And who, who drafts tight ends that but high? But this guy is supposed to be once in a decade. Absolutely. Um, I, mean, I saw some film on him. He's an animal. This guy is good. I think he's six feet, six inches. Um, so, no, yeah, I know. I, 
I know. saw one mock draft where Miami came back up for him and Miami grabbed him. That Right. Right now, Miami's in the sixth position. Um, and it's kind of expected. And again, draft night, there'll be some trades uh, that they'll pick Jamar Chase, wide receiver, out of LSU. Unless the fifth position by the Bengals, quarterback Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase was Joe Burrow's favorite receiver in college. And from what I've read, Joe Burrow's been politicking to get Chase on the team. But uh, they need to protect their investment in Burrow. And that's why uh, there's a lot of prediction that they'll take the number one offensive tackle, uh, Panay Sewell, out of Oregon. Um, yeah, I guess um, Burroughs was sacked 30-something times last year. Right, and he, he got knocked out for the rest of the season at the midpoint. So, the, to me, the smart pick is always, always, always go for the offensive tackle. The Giants right now, most mocks at number 11, they have them uh, taking Jalen Waddle, great receiver out of Alabama. However... You know my love for offensive linemen. If Rashawn Slater from Northwestern is available, I want him to solidify that offensive line. A, you got to protect your investment in Daniel Jones. And B, remember you took Saquon Barkley stupidly as the number two overall pick four years ago. Uh, we've got to shore up that offensive line. They were ranked 31st in the NFL last year. Uh, only one team worse than them, and that shocked me that there could have been a team worse than the Giants' offensive line last year. And I don't care how much talent you have on the team. If your line sucks, you're going to fail. And with a great line, and the Dallas Cowboys were known for the last quarter century of having the best offensive line out there, uh, you, you can just take an average back and you, you give them a whole size of a truck. You, you could run through that, so... Uh, so what we're talking about two weeks from tomorrow night for the draft yeah, I think those are more exciting now these drafts than oh, they've ever been absolutely because there's of, more of trading in football than there's ever been and oh, more juggling around caller gotta go I've got five seconds okay then Thank we'll you, see you guys Thanks, later Bob. Great show. we ran out of time sorry Richie Cunningham our engineer Super Dave on the Nighthawk We'll see you guys next week. Bye.